This is the Way Family Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear God's Word. We invite you to join us in person Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at Lawford Middle School here in Tucson, Arizona. We hope to see you soon. Okay, Acts 28. Um, we're going to read it through together and then we'll go and break it down. I think there's beautiful things to learn from this passage, so let's, let's, let's dive in. Amen? It says this in chapter 28. After we were brought safely, we learned that the island was called Malta. Let me stop there for just a second. All right, last week, we talked about the shipwreck that Paul was a part of, right? He has just gone through a very severe storm, through the journey to Rome. Now, he's trying to get to Rome, but he's going as a prisoner of the Romans, okay? Why? Because he has appealed to Caesar. And so they finally, finally run the ship to the shore. And it says that they all survived, right? And so here they are in this completely unknown land. Just a little back context, right? Like, what's going on? They finally arrived here. So they were brought safely, it says in verse 1, through, and then they learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them in the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt, this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no more misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and they said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publis, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when, he had, when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. Verse 11. After three months, we sailed into ship, or we sailed in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship from Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead, putting in at Syracuse. We stayed there for three days, and from there we went uh, and made, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome, and the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Apias and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when he had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I have done nothing against our people for the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, 
They wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak to you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here have reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them of Je about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed about after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should, be, they should see with their ears and hear with, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, I would heal them. 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this example that we have here before us. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us understand it and apply it in the way that you mean to, Lord. Let us step aside of ourselves, Lord Jesus, and allow you to work in our lives this morning. Pray in your mighty name. Amen. All right. So this is the final chapter. And I love that Paul gave his rundown right there. We, we saw what happened. He had been um, accused of breaking all sorts of laws and they found no fault in him. However, he had appealed to Caesar because he knew that the Jews kind of disagreed with his stand. And so that's why he's still a prisoner, although he's innocent of everything that's happened so far. So what I want to do here is I want to go through this and show you three different sections here. Um, and, and I want you to think really of how this applies to your life and how you can relate this to your life. But this is what I see when I read this passage or what I saw is first thing is that Paul is redirected. Now we know what Paul's mission was. His heart was to go to Rome. His heart was to continue to preach to the Gentiles and to see churches be planted everywhere, right? However, he's redirected. Why? Because he was accused of something that he was innocent of. And, and then also, when he was finally on his way to Rome, there's this storm, this trial in life that redirected him to the point where he's standing somewhere and he can't even tell you where it is. It wasn't until later that they found out where they were, right? And so Paul is redirected. And then as we continue to, to read this passage, we see that Paul is encouraged because how many of you guys have ever been kind of sidetracked and you get discouraged from that? You have your plans, right? and you think you're working towards something and then something else happens and it totally derails you and you have to completely adjust and do and start over, it feels like. And that can be extremely discouraging, can it? Can it not be, right? But we see that Paul finds courage even though he's being redirected. Time after time, we see that he's being redirected. 
he is encouraged. And then after he's encouraged, what happens? He goes to work. All right? He doesn't just sit down. He doesn't just chill for a little bit. No, he knows his calling. He knows his purpose. He knows his mission. And so Paul just goes straight to work. And so that's kind of what we need to see. And so what I titled today is the never-ending story. Acts is really the never-ending story. We saw how it started. We saw how it went. And guess what? It's still going today. This story, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a never-ending story because we are commissioned to go and bear witness of Jesus Christ, make disciples of all nations, until the day that he comes or we're taken, right? This is the story of our lives. We should be active in this every day, every moment of our lives. And guess what? The story goes like that. We make plans. We're redirected by some circumstance or another. We ought to be encouraged and we ought to get to work. And then guess what? While we're at work, we're going to be redirected, right? We might be discouraged. We need to be encouraged and then we need to get back to work. And it's the never ending story of, of, the, of our lives. Amen. That's just how it works. And so I want to dive back in there, just explain to you a little bit what's going on in this passage, and then really bring out what I, I feel would apply to our lives. Amen? So it says this, verse 1. After we were brought safely, remember, this is Paul being redirected. His plans are just not going according to what he imagined them. However, God's doing a great thing. And so they were brought safely through, and then they learned that the island was called Malta. That's just south of Sicily. Still there, and it's still called Malta today. All right. They're there. And it says the native people showed us unusual kindness. This word native for native people, it's barbaroi or barbaros, which means these barbarians. These people were foreigners to the Roman Empire. They didn't necessarily speak the same language or they didn't necessarily have the same customs or culture. Right. However, there was some integration there. We see that because obviously they saw visitors coming in, but they had their own culture. And it says that they they were shared unusual kindness. That means that these people, these native folks, did not receive visitors very well, usually. All right? <laughs> and so I love that this is God's grace, you know, over Paul and the people there. But why did they receive this unusual kindness? And I think it's interesting here. And we'll keep on unraveling this. And so they have this unusual kindness shown, shown to them. And this is how this unusual kindness is expressed. They kindled a fire and they welcomed everyone in because it had begun to rain and it was cold. Remember, this was the winter. They shipwrecked because of the hurricanes that are going on in the Mediterranean Sea. So it's cold. They kindle on fire. And then it says in verse 3, and, and this, this is an interesting section here. It says, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and then he put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. So you can just imagine that. A venomous snake <laughs> just latching on like this. I tried to find a little rubber snake so I can hold it around and do it, but it didn't bite me. Um, <clears throat> and so he, 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 it's fastened to his hand, and then the native people saw this creature hang, hanging from his hand, and they said to one another, no doubt this man's a murderer. You know how sometimes we assume things of people before we even know them, just because of their circumstances? Sometimes we make big assumptions based on circumstances, and not just about other people, but about ourselves too. It's sometimes things happen and we ask, Lord, what did I do? Or how come, what do I have to repent from to like, for bad things to stop happening for me? You know what I mean? Sometimes that happens. Or sometimes you assume the worst of somebody else because there's vipers on their arms. 
All right, and, and now these people are assuming the worst of Paul. They don't know anything about him, but here's the fact of the matter is, one of the reasons why they had welcomed him in the first place is because to them, the fact that they survived that shipwreck and storm was like, wait, there's something, something amazing about these people. No one should have survived that. And so it could have been that that's why they welcomed him in the first place, right? And now they're observing them and they're getting this different perspective it's or perception that mm, maybe these guys are bad. This particular Paul, he's a murderer. How do they conclude that? How do you conclude that that guy's a murderer just because a viper bit him? Isn't that interesting how we, we, we think like that? But look what happens. And then... <clears throat> They said, no doubt this man's a murderer. Though he has escaped from sea, justice has not allowed him to live. You see how that's a capital J right there? They're talking about justice, the god, the goddess, which is the daughter of Zeus, okay? It's not talking about whether right or wrong has allowed him to live. It's just referring to the goddess justice. They're saying this, has, has not allowed him to live. So even though he escaped because he's a bad man, his fate has come to him. Verse five, he, however, Paul, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. I love this. This is a type and shadow of Satan's attempt against Christians right here. This is Satan. You know, he comes out, he's scary. He even bites sometimes. But Paul, confident in his mission, confident in his God, did that freak him out? No, I, I promise you, if, if that was me, and if I got latched on by a snake, I would have started screaming like, and then everybody around me, especially if Sandy and JD was next to me, they would have all started screaming. Ah! You know, that's just, we freak out instantly. Paul is just, meh. Jesus had already told them that he would make it to Rome. Jesus had already told them that he would be there. And so Paul knew this wasn't the end necessarily. He was just well grounded in his mission. He believed the, the call that God had over his life. And so he wasn't shook by it, right? And this is just Satan's attempt against us. In verse 6, it says, they were waiting for him to swell up. <laughs> no one's there to help him, right? They're just waiting like, are you going to die? They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But when they had waited a long time, they saw no misfortune come to him, and they changed their minds. And they said, this man is a god. Do you see the fickleness of these people's minds? And it's easy to point it to someone else and say, yeah, they're wishy-washy. They this, they're that, this, they're that, you know. It's all circumstantial. But we sometimes have the tendencies to think that way. And they see that nothing, no misfortune came to Paul. And so now he's a god. First he was a murderer. Now he's a god. What do they know about Paul? So far, nothing. Other than he got bit by a snake and didn't die, right? Verse 7. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius laid sick with fever and dysentery. Now, I love, I, when I first read this, I, I went to Sandy, who has taken biology and, you know, classes, and I asked her, what's that? What's dysentery? And she told me, I'm like, huh, of course, a doctor wrote this, right? <laughs> he knew the exact diagnosis of this man. And so what it is, is it's a digestive infection caused by bacteria, a virus, or a parasite. So this guy was struggling, you know, and he had a bad fever. And so Paul comes in and he visits him and he prays and putting his hands on him, he was healed. He healed him. Verse 9, 
And when he had taken, and when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. It says they also honored us greatly. It says honored us. I imagine that Luke was there also doing his physician work there. All right. So Paul's praying for them. I'm sure Paul's sharing the gospel with them and telling them I'm not a God because we've seen that in the past where he makes, makes it clear it's not by his power, but Christ's power in us, right? And you ought to believe in him who saves you from your sin, ultimately what's important. And then here's Luke working his gifts to, to help the people who are there. And so even though they're redirected, God has a plan for why they were redirected. And we see this group of people just coming to, 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 to be introduced to Christ. And we don't know what the outcome is because it doesn't say, but I imagine that some believed just because Paul was there. And I think that's just safe to assume because we know Paul's character and we know how God worked with him and he was healing people. And this was just the power of God to show his, himself to these people. And so they were honored greatly. And then when they were about to sell, they put on board whatever they needed. So even though Paul is redirected, there's a huge blessing that comes to this. And sometimes we complain, right, from being redirected. Our plans don't go as planned, but sometimes blessing comes from that. And it's not necessarily for us, it's for the sake of others. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. And then because of that, you see that Paul and, and Luke and Aristarchus, who's there with him, and everyone else, including the, the Romans and the, and the soldiers, they're all blessed by this, you know, by this redirection. And this ended up being a very good thing. And so the next portion here is how Paul is encouraged. He's disrected, he's, he's redirected, now he's encouraged. So after three months, they sailed in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria. Alexandria's in Egypt, remember that? With the twin gods, these twin gods are Castor and Pollux. They're supposed to be twin sons of Zeus. I don't know much more about them other than that, okay? But there's twin gods as a figure in the, in the front of the ship. And then verse 12 says, And putting in at Syracuse, they stayed there for three days. And then from there they made a circuit and arrived at Regium. So they're getting closer to Rome. And after one day, um, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, they came to Petioli, which is only 130 miles from Rome. They're getting closer. And there they found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. They found brothers. And if we read ahead, it says, and then they got to Rome and then the brothers there. So wait, wait, wait a second. Paul had never been to Rome. How does he have brothers there? He's talking about fellow believers, obviously, right? Here's the thing is that Paul had already written this letter to the Romans. If you flip your Bibles over, you'll see the, the book of Romans. It's a letter that Paul had written to them. Did you know that one third of the people in Rome were slaves? There's a huge population of, of slavery there. And so a lot of people there were encouraged by the gospel. And this changed everything for them. And when they heard that Paul was in town, they rushed to meet with him. Right? They were encouraged at, the, at just the thought of, of a man of God being there present. And so they come to Paul. And Paul, we read that is, he is encouraged by that. So there's something beautiful about coming together and talking about God and diving into the word. It's encouraging. And when we're encouraged that way, then we find the strength to be able to carry on. Otherwise, we get bogged down, don't we? So he's encouraged. It says, and so they, 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 they came to Rome and the brothers there, when they had heard about us, they came as far as the Forum of Apius and three taverns to meet us. This is a pretty long distance. They were really, really 
into going and just meeting Paul and, 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 and getting anything they could, you know, to learn more about God. And on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldiers who guarded him. Now remember, Paul's a prisoner. <laughs> and then we're reading about Paul as if he was not a prisoner. Are you catching that? Like he has gained favor everywhere that he's gone because he's treated people well. He's worked out as far as communicating with people in love and kindness and also with wisdom to the point where this Roman centurion who's guarding him trusts him with his life. And so when he gets there, he's given privileges that are just unbeknownst to prisoners, right? Which is amazing. Do you see how God works? He works in mysterious ways. And then to the point where it's like, Paul doesn't need more than two guards, just one guy. He can live by himself under house arrest. This is the way to be a prisoner, guys, right here. All right. The next part, he goes to work. Paul goes to work. It's not just, okay, I got a cozy place as a prisoner. I can just live large. Three, three hots in a cot? No, 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 no. He's getting to work. And it says, and after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. What's interesting is that this is what he did all the time. Remember, anytime he went somewhere new, this is the first thing he did. He met with the local Jews. And so he's getting to work. And then when they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people, the customs of our fathers or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Judaism. So he's going and explaining why he's there, why he's a prisoner. He probably tells them everything that he's told the Jews before. And we do see that he goes and he he, he, he really challenged them to think a lot. And so he tells them that he appealed to Caesar. And though there was no charge, he's, he's there. And then these guys tell him, wait, but we haven't heard anything about this. And so it's interesting is how come the Jews didn't reach the Romans? Maybe the, the, Jew is, the Jews in Jerusalem and those in regions of Judea didn't imagine that Paul would actually make it there. But word didn't get there, you know. And so Paul's kind of explaining to him. And I love this. And this is in verse 20. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. In other words, he's saying, because of Jesus, I'm wearing this. I need you to know something. Everything that we've been hoping for as Jews is here. It's been fulfilled through Jesus. And because of that, I'm wearing this chain. And if we fast forward and verse 22, it says, but we desire to hear from you what your views are for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. What is he talking about? Christianity. All right. So these Jews in Rome, Rome have heard about Christianity, but they've only heard bad things about it. And so they're asking, Paul, help me out. What's going on here? And then 23, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to his lodging in great numbers. Remember, he's a prisoner. This is amazing. What an amazing prisoner. From morning till evening, he expounded to them and he testified to the kingdom of God. That means Christ has come. And trying to convince uh, them about Jesus, both of the law of Moses and the prophets. So he's using the Old Testament, which is the scriptures that he had available to him. It says here, some were convinced, and yet others disbelieved. You know that not everyone that we preach to and have conversations, gospel conversations to, will believe? And that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes we get discouraged about that, don't we? But that's just the way it goes, because it's not our job to save people. It's just our job to preach and to be witnesses and to share the gospel. It's Christ's job to save people. Amen? <clears throat> and so... Paul responds to this with this statement. He says that the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. And he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. 
And it says this, and this is true for a lot of people. We've seen this ourselves. It says, go to these people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed. Lest that you should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I will heal them. God says that he will heal those whom he will heal pretty much. It's up to him. 28. Therefore, let it be known that to you the salvation of God he has sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. This is exactly Paul's mission to the Gentiles. He always talked to the Jews first, but his mission was to the Gentiles. And so he says that he lives there for two years at his own expense and he walked them all. He's working. Do you see that? Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What a blessing to be. He pretty much has an office. <laughs> Paul has his headquarters. It's like, hey, come see me. My office is open, right? <laughs> and he's working. He's at work. And so what do we take from this? I hope that you caught it as we were talking about it, as we were reading. The first takeaway is this, is that God will sometimes redirect our paths for the sake of his plan. And that's okay. All right. We're redirected for the sake of his plan. Again, this is not the first time that it happens to Paul. Back in Acts 16, 6, he was redirected. He wanted to go to Asia, which is Ephesus, but the Spirit said no. And so he's redirected. And every time he's been redirected, something good has happened. Do you remember Joseph from the book of Genesis? You know, his father has had plans for him. And then he ends up getting sold as a slave. His plans were redirected. But for what purpose? What was the result of that? Because he was sold as a slave, you know, he actually ascended to be only second to the Pharaoh of Egypt himself. He achieved great power by the, by the will of God. This was God's will, and, it, and, and as a result, it saved his people. So even though he was inconvenienced by going through some of the suffering that he did, he was redirected to do something greater. And it was a huge blessing to him at the end of the day. Amen? <clears throat> so Jonah, remember Jonah? God calls him to go to Nineveh. He's like, no. How was he redirected? By a fish, a great fish. It's, I don't want to be redirected that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> but nevertheless, God will do what he wants to do in our lives. And I hope that we're not stubborn enough like Jonah to wait for a fish to get us to where we need to be. Don't be like Jonah. Okay, Jonah? I'm just kidding. <laughs> And so God is able to redirect us, and it's not, for, not necessarily because it's going to go sweet for us, but because he has plans, and it's for greater purpose, and sometimes it could be for others, not for our sake. We may want something, but God has something in mind for someone else, and you're a part of that, and that's okay. So what do we do when God redirects us? We have to be flexible, we have to be sensitive, we have to be willing, and we have to trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. See, don't, don't depend on what you know, because in the grand scheme of things, you, you don't know very much. I hate to break it to you, you know, but God has the big picture. And we just need to trust him and we know that he will set our path straight. And we see this beautiful picture through the life of Paul. He lands in Malta. He goes to these places he didn't imagine and great things happen there. Amen. Here's the next part too. Tough things happen to all people regardless of our choices. You know how sometimes we think that, you know, you have a bad life because you're just such a terrible sinner 
or you have a good life because you're just perfect. No, 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 no. It don't matter if you're a sinner or you're perfect. Tough things happen to everybody. All right? And we can't just assume things of people. Romans 9, 14 to 6 says, What shall we say then? Is there injustice in God's part? By no means. For he says that, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So it depends not on human will or exertion, but God who has mercy. Do you see that? You could be like Paul, doing everything you're supposed to do. You're listening to Jesus, and God could say, you're going to suffer. And he has the right to do that. He, he created us. And so it doesn't necessarily, it's not circumstantial is what I'm trying to say. The things, the trials that happen in life is not because of only our circumstances. And we may blame it on that. And we may think and assume things of people that we just don't know. It could be that God's just doing something amazing. And so where you are right now is not only circumstantial, but it is because God has ordained that for you. And so it's good to have the right perspective. Matthew 5 45 says, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. See, this is all God, all God. Does that mean we could just be bad since bad things are going to happen to us anyway? No, it means that when trials come, we'll know how to deal with them so that we can be encouraged and get back to work. But there's many times where people don't have the right equipment. They don't have the goodness and the promises of God. The trial comes, they get bogged down. You've probably been there and done that, right? It's hard to be encouraged when something tragic happens. But this is why we're together, to be encouraged, to, to dive into the Word of God so that we can press on and get back to work. Because that's why we've been created, to enjoy Him forever and to just glorify Him in everything that we do. Amen? The next thing, let's not be fickle. Remember these native people? Oh, he's bad. Oh, no, he's good. Oh, he's bad. Oh, he's a god. Oh, ah, oh, ah. Again, circumstantial. Let's not be fickle like that. A fickle person is someone who changes their loyalties, their interests, their affections very frequently. Okay? Again, all circumstantial. We ought not to be that. Okay? So I, I, I remember, like, even myself being, being fickle, you know, like with some friends in middle school. It's like I was their friend one week, and next week they did something or said something that I didn't like. It's like, psh, I'm going to hang out with these people now. You know what I mean? Psh, and then you just... You're, it's easy to just disregard people because they say something or do something and it's all circumstantial. Let's not do that. You know, that's not the call to the Christian. The Christian call is to love and to express God's compassion for us in the gospel, right? Regardless of these people, because we all fall short of the glory of God, don't we? <laughs> Ephesians 4.14, in regards to the importance of maturing in Christ, because this is what maturity in Christ does. It helps us not be fickle. It says that we ought to mature to the measure of the stature of the fullest, full, fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine, but by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Immaturity, that's the result of that. Oh, 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 ah. Let's not be fickle. Next one. Fellowship with other believers brings much courage, doesn't it? When we're here, we're encouraged to do what we need to do to get to work. Do not, do not fall out of habit of coming and gathering together. You know, and it's not just about coming and sitting down. Like, have a conversation with someone, really. Try to connect. Be real with one another. This is really encouraging, especially when we're grounded in this, in the Word of God. This is how we're how we get through things. 
especially when we're in trials. It's so interesting how our human instinct is to run when we're going through stuff, right? And to hide when in fact we need to go and be with our brothers and our sisters in Christ to be encouraged so that we could be lifted out of the circumstances that we're in. Why? Because God has great plans and purpose for us. Okay, 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This is, this is walking in light is to have fellowship in one another. Think about that. It's not, oh, I don't have to go to church because I don't need to go to church. No, if you're walking in light, you're going to have fellowship with one another. This is serious. You know, Hebrews talks about not forsaking the gathering of the saints. This is so important. And the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. And so I'll leave that there. Fellowship with other believers brings much courage. Amen? The last one that I want to share with you that I got out of this. Forgive me if I'm going long, but this is just good stuff right here. Last one. It is our job to proclaim Christ. Yes? And it is Christ's job to save people. That's not our job. It is our job to proclaim Christ, share the gospel, have gospel conversations, speak truth, all right? But it is God, it's Christ's job to save people. So that means that we could be having a great conversation and light bulbs are going off for you, right? And they're good. And then at the end of the day, they're like, nah, that's okay. That's up to Jesus, okay? He's got it. He's got it. But he has given us that responsibility to proclaim the good news of the gospel. So we shouldn't quit. And yes, it can be discouraging when you're having a conversation with somebody and they say, yeah, this is stupid. And that happens. That's happened to me so many times, you know. That's okay. But for some people, it's life-changing. Why? Because Christ has decided to do work in their lives that nobody can understand except for him, right? And it's amazing. We shouldn't give up. We shouldn't assume, yeah, that guy will be saved. Yeah, that guy won't. Yeah, I should talk to that person because they probably will get it. Yeah, that person's going to hell. Like sometimes we think that way. That's not our job. We don't get to choose that. That's Jesus' job. Our job is to proclaim Christ. Mark 2, 7, when Jesus is, you remember that when he heals the paralytic? Jesus said this to the paralytic, and I love this. It says, son, your sins are forgiven. See, that's the biggest miracle about that whole story. When, when the paralytic is brought to Jesus, he doesn't just heal him like physically. The first thing he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus had compassion on that person, and he forgave him of his sins. Christ can do that. And then in verse 7, it says this, that the Pharisees were wondering, and they said this, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, they got that right. Nobody can forgive sins except for God alone. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And then they call out to him, like, who do you think you are? You know, my, my version says, I'm God. <laughs> What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. And at that moment, the man regains his strength and he, I, I don't know, I don't think he walked ever actually. So he finds his legs for the first time. He gets up, he picks up his mat and his walk. That's the power of Christ. You know, we just need to be faithful like his friends who brought him to Christ so that he could be saved. And he was, and it was Jesus who had compassion over him. That's his job, not our job. And so when we do proclaim the gospel and we do get a response that's not very happy and joyful for us, it's okay. That's just part of it. Let's not be discouraged. But instead, let's regroup. All right, let's talk about it and let's be encouraged to get going again.
That's the way it goes. That's the never-ending story. Because it's going to happen over and over and over again until we're done. Until we're in the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the example of of Christ that we have as he walked and roamed this, this world, Lord. We thank you for the example of the apostles, of all of them, of Peter, who spoke boldly, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord Jesus, that your Spirit would descend on us and also give us the same power to proclaim your goodness, your gospel, that people will see it not as a sales pitch, but as something that is truly needed here in this world in our lives. We ask, Father, for that. We thank you for the Apostle Paul and those who who worked alongside of him. Lord, help us be effective like that, efficient like that, that we're not bogged down when we're redirected, that we're not discouraged because things didn't go the way we thought they would go, but that we would find courage together in your name as the apostles gathered and prayed together and received the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord Jesus, continue to prioritize the gathering of the saints that we would find courage and strength and that we would go on with all boldness proclaiming the goodness of what you have done in our lives. And Lord, help us go to work. We're small, but we're mighty through your strength. And Lord, I know that you're going to do great things in this community, in this town, in this city of Tucson. And we love you and we praise you for that. We thank you for Jesus Christ and our salvation. That without him, we are We owe the price of our sin, and that's death. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, for justifying us, for expunging our record, and for your righteousness that has been counted to us because of what you've done and not because of what we've done. We love you, we praise you, and we ask, Father, that you you would allow us to see more people surrender to you, come to you, and that this family of Christians and believers, that this brotherhood that we have, would continue to grow, that we have more people to be encouraged by, more people that we can back up, more people that we can pray for, more people that we can just learn from, Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.